Chapter Sixteen of An Exchange of Souls by Barry Payne. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen. A uh, Mr. Daniel is asking if you will see him, sir. I knew that Mr. Daniel was Daniel Myas. He had told me of his intention to use another name. I directed that he should be shown into the library where I was sitting. The first impression he made upon me was one of strangeness. I thought I had never seen him before, and did not know him in the least. There was really nothing about him which reminded me of Alice Lade. The hair had been quite short, and was of a reddish-brown in color. The eyes were the eyes of a man. Indeed, the general appearance, though it suggested an undersized and nervous little man, ludicrously out of keeping with the deep voice, had nothing that was feminine about it. His face was very white, and he looked as if he were ravaged by disease, but he no longer appeared, as on that night in the laboratory, to be in actual physical pain. His expression was one of distinct relief. He no longer inspired me with horror, but for the first few minutes, at any rate, I felt as if I were talking to a man whom I did not know. He took a cigarette and began to say commonplace things. He had left his luggage at Paddington, where he would pick it up in the afternoon. He wondered how long it would take him to drive to Paddington. As he spoke, I noticed that his manner with the cigarette was that of Daniel Myas exactly. When a little ash fell on his coat and he flicked it off, he swore just as Myas always did, with set teeth and without a sound beyond the initial letter. It was characteristic of Myas that the trivial things in life made him much more furious than the great disasters. I began to feel that, after all, I did know this young man in the blue serge suit, sitting opposite to me and watching me anxiously to see how I was taking it. "'How did you manage to effect this transformation?' I asked him. "'I should have thought it was impossible for anyone anywhere in London to take on the dress of the opposite sex without taking somebody into the secret or without being found out.' "'As it happens,' said Myas Lade, "'it was simple enough. That old woman, the caretaker, wanted to go out to do her shopping.' I told her that she could be away for an hour if she liked, and that I should probably have left before she returned. I had everything ready in the laboratory. My clothes were all packed, except those which I meant to wear. The hair gave me some trouble. I cut it short myself, as well as I could, but not very short, and burnt it in the laboratory stove. After I had changed, I went first to Paddington, where I left my luggage, and then to the nearest barber. I told him that I had been living for months in a lonely spot in the West Highlands, away from the resources of civilization, and had to cut my hair myself. He seemed quite satisfied and not much interested. Of course someone who knew me might have seen me coming out with my luggage to the cab that was waiting in Durnford Place. Even if anyone did, it does not matter in the least. No one would have recognized me. 
you yourself compton look as if you were hardly sure who it was who was speaking to you that is very likely i said i knew daniel myas and alice laid when i saw you that night in the laboratory there was something of each personality in you now in appearance at any rate there is nothing that suggests either only the voice and the manner recalled daniel myas to me you look as though you were no longer in any pain i am not said myas last night for the first time since the night of the experiment i managed to get four hours continuous sleep somehow it seems almost worth while to have suffered as i did in order to get the ecstasy of being free from suffering it is almost difficult for me to understand how it is that people who are not in bodily pain do not experience constant and conscious pleasure from their freedom i do not suppose that it is all over on the contrary the pain is almost certain to return but that i do not mind i have had my breathing space if it comes back tenfold i can bear it now and go on bearing it until the work is finished until the work is finished i repeated you seem confident i am confident yes compton i shall not come to see you again but alice laid will it is only a matter of patience what happened in the one case will happen in another because the knowledge of a language came back therefore most certainly the other knowledge will return and then that knowledge will form the means for my release i use the word release intentionally my ego my soul is detained here like some poor animal that has one foot caught in a trap my body is dead the apparatus of my mind contained in that body is dead it is only as it were by murder and theft that i daniel myas am cognizant to you now i am due elsewhere i have known people who were very old or very ill to have the same curious feeling of being due elsewhere he told me much that was very curious the knowledge which belonged specially to alice had not entirely left him before the caretaker's arrival he had gone through the rooms in the house in knox street and in one of them had found the cheap foreign piano on which alice used to play to own a piano and to give alice music lessons had formed part of the laudable ambition of mrs laid alice had some slight gift for music nothing very remarkable myas was perhaps more of a musician au fond but he played no instrument and had never had a lesson the sight of the piano seemed to awaken something which had been dormant in him he sat down and began to play what he played was part of a movement very tinkly and simple one of mozart's sonatas suddenly he became conscious of what he was doing and stopped abruptly in the middle of a phrase he could not go on playing the subconscious mind of alice laid made it possible the conscious mind inhibited it 
he told me that when Mrs. Lade spoke with him about things that Alice would be supposed to know, he always found it easier to answer if he closed his eyes and tried to keep his conscious mind on some other subject. In one trifling respect, he showed the personal taste of Alice Lade still. Daniel Myas had been an epicure and a judge of wine. Alice Lade hated the taste of it and otherwise cared very little about what she ate or drank. I noticed that at luncheon Myas Lade drank water only. He saw that I had noticed it. "'Yes,' he said, "'it is so. The other day I went into a confectioner's shop and bought sweets to eat. Perhaps, after all, it is not so strange that something still lingers, as that so much is already gone.' I did not go with him to the station. Much time is wasted in a very wearisome manner by kindly people in seeing other kindly people get into a railway carriage. I had promised to run down for a weekend at the cottage in a fortnight's time. Meanwhile I thought I was to have a rest from a trying and rather revolting business. I turned to that manuscript diary of which I have spoken and resumed my work on it. I must have become rather absorbed in it. I have a faint recollection of telling my servant that I would not take tea and did not want to be bothered. It was seven o'clock before I finally put down the thing and went to dress for dinner. The window of my bedroom, as usual, stood open. Outside in the street I could hear the newspaper boys crying, Disaster on the Great Western Railway. End of chapter 16